Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. What do alligators, water moccasins, and objects typically found at a crime scene have in common? They're among the dangers that Brett Parker encounters while performing his job. Brett is a golf ball diver. You may have seen people like Brett at your golf course scouring water features for balls, but you might not know what they do on a daily basis. This podcast is designed to educate people about golf ball divers, some of the dangers that they encounter, and some of the rewards of their job. Brett, thank you so much for joining us. There are so many questions that I want to ask you and our readers even provided some questions for you. The first thing everybody wants to know, what are the dangers of golf ball diving? Well, I think the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the best answer for what are the dangers, uh, the, the most important thing first is uh, whether one is comfortable in the water or not. Ninety-five uh, percent um, of the problems in diving is generally from drowning, and drowning comes from people that are not comfortable. Um, and when you're not comfortable, you tend to hit the panic mode too quick. And, and when you're underwater, uh, submerged, uh, weighted down with the bags of golf balls and equipment, uh, uh, there's no room for panic. Um, so if you tend to panic, it's not the business for you. Um, uh, the uh, human error, as, as we all know on this day and age, is, is still part of the biggest uh, percentage of uh, problems in the water. Uh, now, from the diving aspect of being comfortable, when I go into the water, um, it's always understanding that this is uh, is, a, is a golf ball pond, but at the same time, it is it is a residence to whatever lives out there. So, uh, knowing your, your your golf course and doing a reconnaissance uh, of knowing if you're in the south. Um, uh, speaking to the uh, people that live on the property or the people that work there, of knowing if there's alligators, um, what's the snake issue of the cottonmouth, otherwise known as a water moccasin, uh, and, and those type of questions. Uh, um, weed is always uh, is always important to check the weed level, and uh, knowing uh, you know what kind of weed it is. Is it breakable or is it dangerous, like the Florida sawgrass? Uh, I think going into some of these ponds, you also have to know whether um, it's been part of a dump site at one time. Uh, we do, and, and fishing uh, is fishing permit. And most people like fishing. Uh, you know, what's that got to do with it? Uh, fishing, you have a submerged tree in some of these old natural lakes uh, that uh, got fl- flooded, uh, and uh, years and years of tangled line and, and fishing those attached to trees proved to be a thorny, prickly situation for a diver if you run into this type of stuff. Um, but generally, um, I find everything is, is just uh, bottom line doing the homework of, of just knowing uh, the ins and outs of, of every lake you get into, uh, uh, you know, unlike a swimming pool that you're just going to jump into. A lot of people want to know what is it like going face-to-face with an alligator and how often does that happen when you're working in the, the south? Well, I have a particular course in, in, in Alexandria Air Force Base in, in Louisiana where there's a 12-footer. Um, and uh, I've dove with this uh, particular alligator for 15 years, and he is always there and follows me around. So when I get in the water, it uh, tends to disrupt the golfing play because of the golfers and people on the highway stop and, and actually want to photograph it. Um, uh, they tend to tend to think I'm nuts, insane, 
uh, crazy uh, words come to mind, but uh, um, I found that, uh, you know, with the alligator, you know, it's just it's just a mutual respect of if it's mating season, uh, I don't get in the pond uh, when the babies have uh, just hatched in the area. Um, again, good reason to leave the pond alone. Um, so, um, now running into an alligator, uh, it's, it's, it's something that you have to find your own comfort level. Uh, if, if it tends to be a little aggressive, I, I get out of the water, but um, at all times I'm conscientious. Uh, most of the time I'm on the bottom and I can see it above me, um, swimming above me, following me around. Um, so I tend to just leave it at that. But again, you know, like any animal, if it tends to be aggressive, uh, then then the pond gets a miss that day. What is visibility like in some of the ponds you work in? Again, uh, God, this is uh, this is an area that's quite amusing because uh, every time some a golfer sees me diving. Um, I get a lot of people saying, oh, I would love to do what you do. You know, I was in the Caribbean last week, and <laughs> this is an amusing, um, um, uh, you know, uh, response from people um, because uh, unlike the Caribbean where you can see the pretty shells in the bottom of the ocean, you know, the water we get into is is literally what we call black water, blindfolded um, um, in the regions of the north, northeast, and uh, and the central of the country, the center um, down through Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, visibility is 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 zero, and uh, and the amount of people that come to try and dive with me say, you know, that, oh no, they can do it, and after a few minutes they say, well, I can't see, and I say, well, that's zero visibility. And with that, they say, yeah, but I thought I could at least see six inches, and I'm now, now six inches would be six inches visibility. This is zero visibility. So um, it's uh, basically, as I tell people, it's blindfolded. Do your work blindfolded. Um, so everything is bump, touch, and feel. Um, if it's round, you bag it, and if it moves, uh, you don't even have to ask to be let, uh, to let it go. Uh, natural response is to is to quickly let go when it moves. Have you ever been bitten or attacked on a dive? Um, yeah, I've, I've um, run into a 14-foot a, a alligator into Florida. Well, several alligators, but uh, years, uh, 25 years ago, a 14-footer that um, uh, we bumped into each other underwater, and uh, he turned and whooped around, and his tail um, shattered my mask. At which point, you know, I surfaced, and uh, I always add a little humor to that, saying, you know, if you think Mark, Mark Spitz could swim, he, he would not have touched me that day. I, I, I would have broken an Olympic record coming out of the water and, again, you know, hitting the surface and, and trying to get out of the pond to see what the hell I'd run into uh, until the gator surfaced right next to me. And uh, I realized, A, I'm probably lucky, but B, you know, the gator was just as as uh, frightened as myself um uh, the only the only other account i've had is a slight tooth mark on the right ankle when they uh, took one of my fins off my uh with, off my foot um i guess from the action of the fin thinking it's a fishtail um but those those are the only uh, real encounters i've had with the gators uh on the water moccasin side yeah i got bitten in 1992 um and uh, that was serious. I was out of the water for about six weeks, uh, 
uh, had problems on my hand. I got bitten on the hand, and uh, it uh, with a snake bite uh, causes a lot of decay of flesh, etc. Um, and I was just lucky. I was uh, 15 minutes away from um, the Woodlands Hospital in in uh, north of Houston. Um, uh, I had been bitten two other, three other times, but uh, by uh, non-venomous snakes. Uh, but I do carry a, a venom kit, um, which is hard to get these days. But I do get a, a venom kit and carry it with me uh, because the uh, the cotton mouth is very very aggressive. In fact. Uh, they bother me more than the alligators bother me. How did you get involved in this? What's your background, and what attracted you to this line of work? Well, background is uh, basically being from Africa, from uh, from a country that was uh, at that time known as Rhodesia. Um, I was a swimmer. I was always swimming, uh, swimming the rivers and and uh, crocodile-infested waters. Uh, I guess at that age we were all uh, Superman. Uh, no fear of 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 these things, and then uh, you know, coming to the states. Uh, when I moved to the states, uh, my brother lived on a golf course, and and seeing the way these balls go in the water, etc., it became uh, kind of intriguing to me. I had done some salvage in Africa, uh, but uh, free diving salvage, uh, going into uh, crocodile-infested water, doing it, and um, uh, never had a problem. Always found zero visibility to be uh, comfortable for me. I always felt the ocean where things could see me from a mile away. I felt like I was bait where uh, I believe uh, black water was, um, if I can't see it and it can't see me, we we both on equal ground. Uh, so getting into the, the diving of the golf balls, uh, you know, in Florida, once I got in and... and uh, Located a few thousand balls in, in in a matter of an hour or two, I thought it might be a time to check this this part of the <laughs> the industry out. And uh, it was a stepping stone for me. Um, it was just uh, it wasn't something I was uh, planning on getting involved in. Um, just trying to make an extra income. And uh, 30 years later, here I am, still still as I call it, uh, prospecting for golf balls. What goes through your mind before a dive? The most important thing is, is preparation is everything. I always tell divers, uh, I don't care who you are, how, how proud you are, how strong you are, how mentally strong you are, that um, when your gut feeling, when you're going to a golf course and, uh, and it's, it's a tougher dive and, and your gut feeling is telling you that uh, you don't feel like diving today, always go by your gut feeling. Uh, your gut feeling is what tells you what's going on. Um, it's your warning to me. It's your sixth sense of warning you. Uh, so if my mind frame is out, um, and I guess a really good example is if you're going through a divorce or domestic problems, etc., it's not a good time to dive because diving is all mental. Um, and if your mind is elsewhere, you won't pay attention underwater. And like paying, uh, paying attention underwater is the most important thing to preparation. If you can't get your thoughts together, don't do it. What separates a professional diver like yourself compared to some of the other people that might do this? I think importantly here is uh, I've had a lot of commercial divers that have come to do the golf ball diving and they can't do it, believe it or not. And these guys, you know, in the ocean. Um, I think it's more about um, being totally solo. Um, we work in a business of being solo, um, 
some guys work in, in teams of pairs, but it's very rare. Most divers in the cockball industry work solo. And when you solo, um, as you can well understand, if you're underwater for an hour or two and, and you've got a partner in there and you don't see him for two hours and the next thing you're underwater and you crash into each other, natural instinct is to, is to beat, I, I guess the word is beat the shit out of the person or whatever it is that's in front of you. So if it's your partner, you know, he better have his defenses up because uh, I've had this happen before. So solo diving in black water, um, when you're in the pond, it's you. Um, so buddy diving, like oh, I've been in it with OSHA. OSHA have tried to go after people over the years for, for not having a buddy. But as I've explained in court, um, exactly what I've just told you, that uh, buddy diving works in the ocean. So most of the people that uh, come into this uh, area are used to having a companion, a buddy for safety. Uh, unfortunately, in black water, uh, a buddy is, is a hazard. It's not safety. There's been some recent movement to give some accreditation to the industry. Explain what the Golf Ball Divers Alliance is and how that would help somebody like yourself. I think, Guy, over the years, what's, what I've noticed is that 30 years ago, divers were earning 8 to 10 cents a ball. And in 2017, they're still earning 8 to 10 cents a ball. In fact, in some areas, uh, they get 7 cents a ball, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there is a shortage of divers, and it's, and it's becoming a bigger problem. And the big companies have, don't seem to be measuring up to this, uh, that uh, there is a shortage of divers. Um, in some areas where there are a lot of golf courses, um, like in Florida, um, you might find a few extra divers, but these divers are just looking to make, you know, $100, $150 and go home every day. They're not interested in in uh, working it as a full-blooded profession. For me, over the years, I've just seen injustice for divers who are really, really uh, great. I've seen managers and companies who try and run the divers, who think they, they've got all the answers. And to me, it's, it's the old-fashioned question. If you've never done it, how can you tell somebody how to do it? Um, in fact, I've always wanted to take a couple of managers by the back of the shirt and the back of the pants and toss them into the lake with an alligator and just see what their response is um, because I know half of them um, and you know what their response would be. I think there would be a lot of flaying of arms and legs and screaming and, you know, get me out of the water. But uh, uh, the Golf Ball Alliance is, is going to bring balance to this area where uh, there's no middleman. The big, uh, the big corporate companies don't swallow the divers and, and, and use them and abuse them and spit them out. Um, the divers will have an opportunity, I think, to stabilize uh, the business as legitimate and be able to, you know, to, like anyone else, um, have a job that you can start to purchase a home and, and work at your retirement rather than, than live paycheck to paycheck, which is what these big companies do. Um, and I think the alliance will bring bring out a, a level of uh, fairness to the uh, to the industry as a whole. You obviously have a highly technical skill on your ability to dive in various conditions, but what type of business person have you become, and how do you develop uh, relationships with the golf courses you work at? I think my biggest thing is uh, my personality over the years, having come from Rhodesia, which is now known as Zimbabwe. Um, intrigues people. I'm also very um, open and shoot from the hip. I develop uh, um, 
a great relationship with courses through through treating the golf course um, not just as a business but as family as I grow with them over time. Uh, a good example is I train my divers in golf golf course etiquette. Um, if it's a private country club, I expect them to dress dress appropriately. Um, you know, as I tell them, I've had divers before say they told me to go to the entrance, uh, the door, the service door at the back of the building, and I'm like, well, um, if you want to dress like riffraff, you'll be treated like riffraff. If you want to be treated like a golf member, then put on the khaki shorts and 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 proper sandals and collared shirt. Uh, and what I do is I develop a great rapport I, uh, with the greenskeeper. To me, the greenskeeper is is what the golf course is about. Uh, upset the greenskeeper, and you don't have a contract. Uh, make him your best friend, and uh, you always have the contract there, even if the golf pro sometimes doesn't like you. Um, I do various chores for the greenskeepers. I will check fountains, water intakes as a courtesy call. If it requires a job, I will, you know, submit a bid that's far cheaper than bringing in a scuba company that's that's going to charge them an arm and a leg. Um, uh, members, uh, members, I, I develop a relationship with members by recovering sometimes uh, temper tantrum clubs that have gone through a swamp. Um, you know, putters. Uh, Clubs, drivers, uh, all the uh, members are often throwing these things in. Um, I've had whole sets of golf bags go in, golf carts, tractors, mowers. Uh, so, you know, the, the recovery side to things is uh, uh, over the years, as they, they start to actually buy me lunch and treat me as, <laughs> as one of the family. And that's, the, and that's what I look to establish when I get a contract with a golf course. You just mentioned golf clubs and tractors and mowers what are some other interesting non-critter objects you've encountered on dives well i've uh, recovered guns handguns rifles obviously with these uh, i always uh, turn them in um, and have the police pick them up just in case they've been used in crime or robbery etc um believe it or not the northeast is <laughs> has been the worst worst place for recovering guns and, and rifles uh, I've, uh, there's a golf course in, in Florida that has a 50-ton dump truck in it. Uh, the lakes in South Florida would cut through the old coral beds in the early days. Uh, Florida is very flat, so if you saw these golf courses that had hills and stuff, this was dirt that was taken from the pond. So in the old days, a lot of these lakes were built. Actually, believe it or not, some of these lakes are 50, 60, 70 feet on the golf courses, which is unheard of. Uh, but it's cut through old coral beds, so it's a 90-degree edge. So if something goes in, it's not coming out. Um, it's just too costly. I've had golf courses where kids have gone in on a weekend uh, drinking spree and have taken, you know, gone in and taken 30, 40 carts and just driven them into lakes. So I've had to go in and recover. Bodies. Some of us have run into bodies. Uh, recovery of vehicles. Uh, I don't think there's anything on a golf course that you're not going to find. It's just a matter of when and how. What can you tell about the condition of the economy and the condition of the golf economy by doing a job like yours? There are things you see in the water that let you know that times are good financially, and maybe when you don't see some things in the water, you know that times aren't as good financially. great example is I've had golf courses back in the 90s that uh, 
uh, a good example that would produce 150,000 balls on 18 holes. And, and there's not many courses that can do that, but some of my great courses I had for 20, 30-year contracts with... Uh, um, and then when golf kind of uh, crashed in 2000, 2001, those same golf courses started to produce 60,000 uh, balls a year. So what you saw right there was a drop in 60% in the golf. I saw the uh, uh, great golf courses that have been there for for years, some of these places in Hilton Head, etc. that, you know, have been there for close to 80, 80 years you know, actually shut their doors because the real estate became more valuable than what the golf was doing. I'm seeing today, I think it started to, I finally started to see it level out. So when I go to a golf course now, um, it's it's really by the number of balls. When I know that they're booming, it's when, when, when the number of balls, uh, if a course has been doing 15,000 for the last uh, balls a year for, for the last 10 years and all of a sudden now it's doing 25 and then I speak to the golf pros, the numbers are up, etc. Um, and this generally happens when when several of the cheaper courses in a region have closed their doors um, from the flood of go- uh, golf courses in the market. Uh, too many golf courses, um, uh, once they go out of business, uh, it levels out the playing field. Um, I, I see the courses where the pro V count starts to increase. Uh, I know business is great. I speak to the golf pros. Their, their title list uh, sales are up. Then I know things are starting to, uh, to, move, uh, to move at a good pace. Uh, how lucrative is the profession and how does somebody like yourself make money? Do you have contracts with the courses or do you sell the balls individually? Well, contracts with the courses, it all starts with the contracts and you obviously want the right contracts and uh, right is not necessarily always the the better ball, um, because the better ball courses, uh, on average, don't produce enough balls to keep you alive. So, you need the 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 better courses, um, and then the top end um, uh, public courses that uh, that uh, have a higher daily end fee. It's all balanced on the daily fee for a golf course. Obviously, a golf course that charges $25 for a golf cart and around, you know what you're going to get out of that pond, as opposed to the golf course that's charging $125 for a golf cart and around. The people that play that obviously are going to play with Pro Vs. I've got courses in Florida that that no one dives because it's retirement villages where the, uh, the golfers are, are buying what we sell as the Golf Ball Alliance, the shag bags. And we don't want to die for shag bag balls. Uh, we got too many of those. We're trying to find a way to get rid of them. Uh, you certainly don't want to sell them to a place and get them uh, get them back to you. Um, so you know, right now I'm starting to see a change. Uh, as I said, I think uh, the, it started to settle down, and I think it's finally settled down to where I think this is where we're at, and now it will start to build itself from there. What do you consider a successful dive for yourself? Well, for me, um, I, I try to average six to 7,000 bowls a day. Um, most of my, my top divers average about um, um, anything between three and 5,000 a day. The average divers do about 3,000 a day, and uh, low-end divers will do you know, 2,500 or uh, less per day. For me, I've been doing it for 30 years, and I, I really want to see 
bad day at five, four or five thousand, a good day at seven thousand or, or more. How long does a dive take, and what is a typical day like for you? There are divers. It's, again, uh, as you well know, in any industry, there's people that are driven, and there's people that are not driven. I have divers that that go to work every day, and they dive typically four and a half to five hours, and and that's a long day to them. I will do four and a half to five and a half hour days when 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 I've got other things to do and I'm working close by, etc. But when I'm on the road, um, typically I get in the water. If I'm in the water at, uh, at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I don't get out of the water until 4 or 5 in, in, in the afternoon. So 8, uh, you know, I'll do on the road trips uh, 8, 8 plus hours a day uh, easily. Um, and... Uh, because really, it's it's working and going to the hotel. So in the hotel, you're going to twiddle your thumbs. So you know, I'm on the road to make money. Um, and again, like I say, there's people who are driven, and then you've got drivers divers who, after five hours, feel they content to go to the hotel. Most people would say that your job is extremely dangerous. How do your family members and the people close to you feel about what you do, and how do you explain your job to them? <laughs> well, I think as my my wife says she hates it. My daughter says she, Dad, I love you, but um, I'm not following in the family uh, in the family business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the most important thing about diving for golf balls is it dangerous. Um, truck drivers drive these extraordinary hours with these big rigs, etc. It's no different. I think some of the insurance companies try and say, "Oh, this is a dangerous profession." Um, to me. Um, it's really, it's really just like any other job. Uh, yeah, you know, in the water that um, when you're underwater, you can't make the mistake of swerving on the highway and get away with it. Uh, if you make the mistake in the water, um, it's not fifty-fifty. It's it's basically you make a huge mistake, you drown. So it's it's as as I said earlier, uh, talking to you that preparation is the most important thing. So um, to me, everything's as dangerous as you make it. If you do your preparation right, and overall, it's, it's not dangerous. Um, when I go into dangerous water, you know, most golf courses are pretty, I don't want to say simple, because there is a degree of, of, um, of um, danger to it. Um, but uh, I just feel that as long as you do your homework and you pay attention to everything, that it's just like any other occupation, but uh, uh, there is certain water, and if the gators are moving around a lot, or it's very deep and it's very weedy, uh, you have to absolutely pay attention to dive tables, etc., um, so that you don't get uh, nitrogen poisoning, the bends, etc., such as uh, just uh, obeying the rules of diving, you know, on your dive tables, etc., but overall, I think there is a degree of danger to this business. But uh, just like any other industry, you know, what I what I see is as dangerous as a person cleaning windows on a on a 150-story building in New York City and giving me the water with gators any day. Are there young people getting into the business? And what would you tell a young person who maybe is considering getting into it? Yeah, well, right now it really is a shortage of divers. Um, some of the big companies are learning a lesson right now, and and I, I I really want them to learn a lesson because I said it eight to ten years ago, 
I saw saw it start. I've been in the industry a long time. I used to have about 48 divers who worked under me, and I've seen it, and it's slowly... The top divers in the United States in the golf ball business right now are 58, 60 years old. So as you can well tell, that this is the veteran divers, and we're not being replaced. And the big companies have overlooked us um, and, 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 and honestly have mistreated us. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, mistreated golf courses, mistreated golf pros, and mistreated the divers. Um, it's all about greed, dishonesty, etc. So when I look at the young guys coming in now, um, there, there are none. So the, the few that trickle in, I basically have to tell them, the way you're going to start with me is you're going to have to just wade the edges of the pond and get to feel balls, feel them, because you can't see them, so you're feeling around in the muck. Um, don't expect to make a fortune. The first two, two, two months is, Three months is like an apprenticeship. You're going to you have to feel for it and work at it. Uh, there are going to be days you're going to lose money um, because just like an apprenticeship, uh, if you don't have the skills uh, to be an automobile mechanic and it's just through hearsay from someone, you're not going to find the work that's going to put money on the table. So you got to earn your stripes. And I tell them, you know, have some spare money in the bank, come in, Start to learn it, and you'll know in a week, in in a week or two, whether this is for you. Um, my average, honestly, has been out of every 52 divers, I find one very good diver. This comes just. Uh, I, I have a saying: it's it's a special breed of cat that does this. Yeah, you can't, you can't learn it. You either have it or you don't. There's no in between. What keeps you coming back? Is it the money, or is it a passion that you've developed for this over the years or a little bit of accommodation of the both yeah i think i you know listen i've i have a record of uh, 22,400 balls one day and uh obviously when you you're getting nine or ten cents a ball i mean a great day and we wish it was like that i can't say every day because i wouldn't be able to put the hours in for this i put 13 and a half hours in that day um looking at it it's like you know, people have said to me, why don't you just get a regular job? And I'm like, you know, a regular job when you get $300 a day. And I'm like, well, I can go to a golf course and actually get 300 $400 a day in three or four hours. But I don't believe that's what keeps me in it. Uh, it's like prospecting. I, I guess, uh, you know, these old these old gold miners back in, in, in the 1800s, you know, to, to, to tap for gold. And when you hit it, hit it. I think it's the rush that comes with it, and it's no different in a golf ball pond. When you when you find a vein uh, where balls are, are pushed by water and then covered up by salt, and you find these veins, or you find an accumulation of balls where no one's found it, it it's a rush. I mean, when you start pulling balls in the numbers of a thousand balls an hour, um, it's it's a huge rush, and it's it's a that's why I call it prospecting for white gold. You know, it's it's when you're finding the golf balls, it's fun, and when you're not finding them, it's a love-hate relationship. I mean, there's there's days that I've got courses that I look at, and uh, the slime on the top, and moss on top of the water, and and dead geese. And I mean, I've come up in ponds before and taking a breather out in the middle of the lake and and smell terrible odors and turn around to find, you know, floating dead skunks, dead possums, 
geese you know, covered in maggots, etc. Yeah, is that fun? I don't think so. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, it's a dirty job that uh, that I I like the money, but I, I like the rush that goes with it, and I like my own hours. Well, Brett, we really appreciate you taking some time to join us. This was fascinating. It's a different look at the golf business that our readers and followers don't normally get. So uh, thanks a lot, and hopefully we get a chance to catch up with you again soon. Okay. I appreciate it.